Let's get into this today. I haven't got a lot of time because we're going to take communion today and I'm just eager to get right into it. So we're going to jump into this uh, sermon today and I'm excited to be here. For those that don't know me, I'm Matty, I pastor our multi-site church out in Bonacord, and uh, we have a great time out in Bonacord. And uh, for those that are visiting today, we have another site up in Rochester, and that's a great thriving church and a little community up there. So it's great that we're all gathered together on this day uh, just to hear the word of the Lord and to fellowship and uh, to love one another. So I'm going to jump right in this morning, and uh, we're shifting gears a little bit as we've been coming through this series on Saved. It's been a great series. There's been so much to unpack and so much to learn um, one of the things we've been talking about, I know certainly in Bonacord, we've put a lot of bit of emphasis on this idea of faith and faith being about, you know, more than just this emotional sentiment or this emotional currency that we carry around and uh, can purchase things off God. Faith is a very tangible, real thing. And there's so much that faith has to do with choosing to tune into God's reality as though it was real versus what we perceive to be real. And uh, it's kind of like tuning into the right frequency on the radio. You know when you just offer a little bit of a number and it's a bit staticky, but to be able to get that clarity and to tune right into the real radio station. Faith is more than just, I have enough of this emotion so I can come to God, the supermarket called Jesus and say, I need this thing off you. Faith is so much more than that. Faith is a real tangible reality of choosing the kingdom of God over the kingdom of this world. And that is faith. Faith is trust. Faith is trusting, you guys. We're going to look at this a bit today. A God who is absolved from all limitation. Loosed from all limitation. He transcends time and space and cannot be simply relegated to our own context. He's bigger than that. Faith is operating in the reality that God is that. And the trouble with trust is how can you trust someone you don't know? That's why faith looks so ridiculous to the world. Because as we choose to operate in a realm of faith, which is placing our confidence and trust in an absolute limitless God, it looks silly to the world because they don't know Him. But as we operate in faith, it's operating in this reality of relationship with the God of this universe. That's what faith looks like. And what we've looked at at Bonacord a little bit, I really hammered on this point. We're not going to go there today, but just to mention it, is that trust, see if you agree with me with this, you don't have to, but just see if you do. Trust requires intimacy. To know someone intimately, to trust them with your heart and your soul and your mind requires an intimacy, doesn't it? It's not blind. There's intimacy in that reality of trust. But intimacy also requires vulnerability, doesn't it? And it's why I love the interaction that Moses has at the burning bush, casting our mind back to that story a little bit, was that Moses is standing on the outside of the presence of God, and God says, come here, Moses, and before you come here, take your shoes off. And Moses takes his shoes off and takes off his identity in the world, takes off the dirt of the world and steps skin to skin with God, and he's intimate he becomes vulnerable by taking off who he is and steps into the presence of God. And then the first thing Moses does is he's ashamed, but God just says, now you're in my presence, you're going to know me. And I'm going to speak purpose and destiny and all the things we need as human beings. Whew, I'm going to put them back on. <laughs> but he's vulnerable 
he steps into this place where he has communication and intimacy with the God of the universe. And that sets him forth on this journey of faith because he had a revelation of God. So how can we trust a God we don't know? And I want to unpack that a little bit today as we begin to shift gears in this series toward living this out tangibly, knowing the God of the universe that transcends your context, transcends time and space, and is loosed from all limitations for us to step into a place that we can begin to trust that God. And as we trust that God, we begin to live that out. And uh, this series will be called a call to demonstrate. We get to demonstrate this revelation that we have. But I'm going to pray, and that's my introduction. We're going we're gonna to roll through this as best as I can. God, give me grace. Uh, give us eyes to see and uh, open our hearts. Lord, the truth is, in our heart is where our desires are. And Lord, tr- change our desires to you today. Our heart is restless until it finds itself in you, Augustine said. Some of us are restless today, God. Some of us are restless because there's so much going on in our desires, in our heart. But Lord, would you just come and bring peace. Create in us a clean heart today, God. Renew a right spirit within us as we come before your word and your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. This challenge is being humans and God being God. Is That requires a humility from us, I believe. I think a real good definition of humility is actually having an accurate picture of yourself and an accurate picture of God. That can be hard to do though, and that's what we're going to look at today. Do you know why it's hard? Because we're contextual beings. In order for us to make sense of things, we put them into context. And what that does when we do that to God is instantly we limit Him. And we're going to look at that a little bit today. And I'm going to start off by just talking about the challenge of communication, because I think that'll give us some insight into where we're going today. Who's ever experienced miscommunication before? Yeah, it's, it can be frustrating, right? Um, certainly when you come from another country, and you come to uh, Canada, and your thick Aussie accent, I don't have that now, but um, two times I just thought of, very simple, I've experienced so much miscommunication, I'm sure you all have as well. But one of those funny examples, real simple ones, was when I first arrived, went to Timmy's, I think it was the second day I'd arrived, went to Tim Hortons, and my wife warned me that it'd be different. Um, in Australia, they're funny because it's a European culture, and it's just fancy, expensive coffee, that's all you drink, right? In fact, Starbucks has actually gone dead in Australia because there is such good coffee around everywhere that they just couldn't survive the market. Um, so I come here and I thought, oh, I need a cappuccino. It's my favorite drink, right? So I thought, I'll get, grab a cappuccino. We, I pull into the Timmy's drive-thru and I said, can I get a cappuccino, thanks? And she says, oh, would you like whipped cream on that? I'm like, who puts whipped cream on a cappuccino? What are you doing? Pull up and it was an ice cap. She basically hands over a bucket of frozen coffee because everything in North America is oversized. And I remember thinking, this isn't a cappuccino. And I was super frustrated. The second time at Timmy's was when I pulled up and the crackly voice box. You know what I'm talking about. You go and you can barely hear. So here's this Aussie guy. And here's this poor Filipino lady on the other side. Now, I think her English was challenged. I'm Australian. I th- speak pretty thick. And I can't remember the exact conversation, but it was probably something like this. G'day, mate. Can you chuck us a large coffee with two cream? One sugar. <laughs> Dead silence. No lie. Dead silence. Thought I better wind this back a little bit slower now. G'day. Can I grab a coffee with two cream, one sugar? Silence. 
And then I notice on the screen, you know, they punch it in, it comes up. I'm seeing muffins and seeing, you know, all kinds of stuff. I'm just like, and then she was like, oh, I don't want to put on a Filipino accent because I'll probably offend someone. I'm not trying to be rude, but it was, the poor woman was trying to deal with this Aussie guy through a crackly speaker and we had this interaction back and forth. She had no idea what I was saying. I had no idea what she was saying. I gave up, I drove through and I drove away with an extra large double-double and it was not what I wanted at all. Communication is a very interesting reality, isn't it? Um, You've heard the old saying about communication, it's not always what's spoken, it's what's heard, right? You heard that before? We can't go into it. Last time I was here, we talked about seeing and the objectivity of seeing. Hearing is actually uh, a very interesting thing too, because it's not always what you hear. There's other things going on when communication takes place, isn't there? So much more than just words being spoken. There's a whole process around communication. We're not going to go there today. But really effective communication, for you to understand me and me to understand you, we need common frames of reference, don't we? Reference points. And let me give you an example. If I was to say to you this morning, it's chockers on the tuller, what would you say? You'd be like, this guy's chockers on the tuller, man. What's he on about? Is there anyone from Australia here? No, there's not. If there was someone from Melbourne in Australia, you'd have you'd exactly know, you'd know exactly what I was talking about. When I told you that it was chockers on the tuller, you have absolutely no idea what I'm saying because you've got no context for what I'm communicating, do you? What if I was to say that chockers on the tuller meant it was very busy on the Tullamarine Freeway in Melbourne? There you go. Chockers fall busy on the tuller. Tullamarine. We shorten everything. And if you've got a short name, we make it longer. It's just what we do. But now you understand what I'm saying, that it's full on the freeway, but you don't know what the Tullamarine Freeway looks like. So I want you to imagine a freeway right now. Can you do that for me? Highway, a freeway. What freeway are you imagining? Yell it out. The Coca-Cola. Yep. What else? The QE2. Who's thinking of the Anthony Henday? Who's thinking, yeah, 401. Who's thinking of something in California, like the big super highways there? Yeah, some of you are. So when I say the word freeway, Tullamarine Freeway, you have no idea. But what you just did was you went to a place to make sense of what I'm saying, didn't you? So in order to make sense of what I'm communicating, you're thinking about a freeway that you've experienced and you know. And now you can say, ah, I understand what he's talking about. Chockers on the Tuller. I'm thinking the Henday, right on, a busy freeway. You get it. Let's do one more example. Close your eyes for me this morning. And listen to the smooth, calming voice. As you close your eyes, what I want you to do is something here. This is just another example. I want you to imagine right now you're at the playground. And I want you to see in the playground at this park... Uh, all the different equipment that's in that park right now. Just imagine it. Have a look around at the park. I want you to see the fence line. And as you look at the fence line, you can begin to hear the laughter of children playing. And you notice the building next to the park, and you also notice the equipment in the park. Uh, You hear children with a bowl. And you see one of the children loses the bowl and chases it through the fence toward the road. Let's stop right there, come back. All right, so everyone picture a park. We able to picture the children? Picture the bowl? Right on. So all of you imagined the park in Dunlow Avenue, Box Hill North, Melbourne, Australia. Exactly, Pastor Greg did. God gave him a picture. 
No, none of you did. Yell out where you saw. What did you see when you imagined the park? You saw teeter-totters. Did everyone see teeter-totters in their park? Who didn't see teeter-totters in their park? Yeah, lots of you. So some of you did, some of you didn't, right? Uh, who had a boy and a girl as their kids? Anyone have mixed gender as you heard? Yep, a couple of you. Who saw just boys? A couple of you. Who just saw girls? A couple of you. Right on. Now, all of you, when you saw the ball, it was a football. No? What did you see? We saw a soccer ball. What else did we see? Basketball. What else did we see? Tetherball. A what? A plastic ball. Awesome. And your equipment in the park had two slides and a zip line. We call it a flying fox. You had a flying fox? Nat, what did you have? Yell it out. Swings. Who had swings? Benches and trees. Slide. Okay. I think you get where I'm going. I described a scene, and for you to understand it, guess what you did? You contextualized the information. You saw parks, you saw equipment, you saw different things, because you had to recall it from somewhere, didn't you, hey? Communication that's effective requires shared meaning. And this is the challenge when it comes to listening to people sometimes, is because our inclination when someone says, I've had a hard day, is to go straight into yourself and be like, yes, I know what that means, therefore I know what you're talking about. That's what communication looks like. This is what happens to Moses. Moses has this encounter with God, he takes off his shoes, he meets God and he knows the God of the universe. And then a couple of verses later in Exodus chapter 3, you can read it there. Moses says to God, okay, so I'm going to the Israelites and uh, I'm going to say the God of your fathers has sent me, um, but what should I tell them when they ask who you are? And what does God say? Tell them I am. Moses is saying, okay, now that I've met you, God, he goes from this experience, this heart moment with God who begins to just love on him and show him who he is to this moment where Moses moves to his head and says, okay, but who are you? I don't have a frame of reference for you, God. So let me, let me just grab you from your limit, limitlessness and bring you down so I can know you. And what does God say? I am. Okay, God, but I am what? I am. I will not be defined by your context or your limitations because I am limitless. This is the problem with communication is that we are contextual beings and for us to make sense of things, we always grab our information and we put it in our contextual box. Let's be honest, we do that with God. And this is what we want to look at today and over this next series is that God wants to reveal himself to us. And he wants us to take a step back for a minute and say, stop limiting me. Because God is limitless. Who are you, God? I am who I am. I can't be limited. And it's hard for us to understand something that's beyond our own comprehension. Faith is trusting a God of this universe that transcends time and space and is limitless. It's what faith looks like. I don't operate in faith when I trust the God in my head when I trust the God that I've built a picture up that is actually becomes a limited view of who God is. I'm actually not always operating in a realm of faith then. Faith is stepping back and walking in the humility with God, saying, God, you're gonna show me who you are as I take this walk. But the second I grab God and take him down to a context, I limit God. 
It's hard to understand something that's beyond our comprehension, isn't it, hey? So let's look at something else real quick there, and then we're going to get through this to set up the series. But I was thinking about distance and travel, okay? So let's take a journey here for a second. So I've flown to Australia uh, a couple of times. Who's ever driven to Vancouver before? What is it, 14, 15 hours, Matt? Pastor Matt, about that? Probably 12 for you. (laughs) 14, 15 hours. It's a long trip, right? You jump in your truck or your car uh, and you head over to Vancouver, 14, 15 hours of your time. It's a little bit of distance there. What, 80 kilometers an hour to 100 kilometers an hour, whatever it looks like, okay? We can all imagine that, can't we? You've all traveled distances before. Who's ever flown to Australia before? Put your hand up. A couple of you have. It's a long trip, isn't it? That's a huge distance. You hop on that airplane between a North American point and an Australian point, it'll take you about 14 to 16 hours. That's a 13,000 kilometer distance between LA and Melbourne. An airliner travels at 885 kilometers an hour. So you can average that distance with that time. It's roughly 14 and a half hours, not including headwinds and all that kind of stuff. So an airliner can travel 885 kilometers an hour and that'll take you 14 to 16 hours between a North American point and an Australian point. That's got nothing on a space shuttle. Space shuttle can travel 28,000 kilometers an hour. So that'd take about, what, if my math's correct, about 45 minutes to get to Australia in a space shuttle. That'd be pretty nice. Just going in my space shuttle, be back soon, back at the end of the day, 45 minutes. But that's nothing like the speed of light. Speed of light travels at about 299,792 kilometers a second. It's 300 million meters a second the speed of light travels. So if the speed of light was a human, if you were a speed of light, you could run around the world seven and a half times per second. It's pretty quick. If you were a piece of speed of light, if you could call it that, if you were the speed of light, you could travel to the moon in 1.3 seconds. You could just take a leisurely stroll to the sun in 8.3 minutes. If you were the speed of light. Until the early 1920s, most astronomers thought that the Milky Way contained all the stars in the universe. How many of you know our view is limited? Until the 1920s, we thought our Milky Way contained all of the stars in the entire universe. But we now estimate the number to be as more than 200 billion galaxies in the observable universe. This is where I'm going to lose you because it's almost impossible to contextualize this. It becomes too big, doesn't it? The speed of light, which we heard about, one light year is approximately 9.5 trillion kilometers in distance. And the speed of light, one light year, is the distance that a beam of light travels in one year. So a beam of light in one year can travel six trillion miles. And the diameter of our Milky Way is approximately 120,000 light years. Is it getting too big for you? <laughs> and scientists, scientists postulate that the universe is approximately 17 billion light years across and growing. So let's take a look at some of the images from space. Check out this thing, man. Check out the Horsehead Nebula. Look at that thing. A nebula, it's basically a ginormous cloud of gas sitting in the middle of space. 
It's located in Orion's belt. The middle star of Orion's belt is 1,340 light years away from Earth. That's the middle star. This belt, uh, this horsehead nebula is 1,500 light years away. It's 3.49 light years in radius, and it's simply a cloud of dust in the middle of space. Just one simple cloud of dust floating around in space. According to NASA, if you go on their website, the Horsehead Nebula has enough mass within it to create 30 suns. And it's just a cloud of gas in the middle of nowhere, just sitting there, doing its thing, just hanging out, big cloud of gas. The Eagle Nebula, the next one, is 75 by 55 light years. And it's just one, this picture here is just one spire of gas coming out of a nebula. It's 9.5 light years long, which is 90 trillion kilometers long. This one spire of gas coming off the nebula. God help us all. Last one, the Orion Nebula is in the Milky Way. It's south of Orion's belt, and it's one of the brightest nebula. It's estimated to be 24 light years across, and it has a mass of about 2,000 times the mass of the sun. One more, Mystic Mountain. It's about 7,500 light years away. It's about four light years tall, and this is the Hubble telescope took this image. It's pretty incredible, isn't it, guys, eh? I can't even fathom, like these are just four simple images within our own observation and they're simple plumes of gas sticking out of nebula. I can't even, it's too big for me to even imagine and to think that in 1920 we just thought that the Milky Way contained everything and we've just realized that that is not even (laughs) close to the truth. Like I said, scientists believe the universe is over 17 billion light years and growing. Think about that for a minute, man. Isn't that, doesn't that just create a sense of awe? As you look at how amazingly big our universe is, and we're only looking at what we can observe within the universe. It's incredible reality. We won't take too much time now. We could go the other way when we look at atoms and things like that. If an apple were enlarged to the size of Earth, the atoms in that apple would be the size of cherries. The diameter of an atom would have to be increased 200 million times to have the diameter of an American one-cent coin. Carl Sagan says, if you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first invent the universe. It's a pretty unique quote, isn't it, eh? Can't even fathom it. And we come back to our Moses story where Moses is talking with the God of the universe (laughs) who transcends this. And says, who are you? (laughs) I am. What confidence and strength God has to say, I am. I will not be limited by your little mind. I'm bigger. God is pretty big. Isaiah 40, who then will you liken God? What likeness will you compare him? Daniel 4.35, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures for generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. He does according to his will. And among the inhabitants of the earth, no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Romans 9, who can resist his will? Job 11, can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? 
They are as high as the heavens. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he passes by or shuts up or calls an assembly, who can restrain him? Psalm 33, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Psalm 145, great is the Lord, highly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. How can we compare God? His dominion is everlasting, it's eternal. His will is irresistible. Who can know the depths of God? His counsel lasts forever. He is unchanging. God is great, unsearchable. He is a big God. Here's the thing. We like to think we're pretty smart. The problem with that is we don't share God's attributes. We can't contextualize God because we don't share his attributes. God is unchanging. He is absolute without any boundaries. He is self-existent. He needs nothing. He is immutable, which means he does not change. And he is wholly other, completely outside our framework. Who are you? Come down to my level so I can fit you in my box. You got no idea who you're talking with. I am so much bigger. You cannot limit me. Let me show you, Moses. God is so much bigger than we make him. If we simply try and grasp God with our minds, all we really do is relegate him to a limited view within our own mind. Remember that Jesus said, it's the pure in heart, not the big of brain who will see God. He didn't say that, but I did. It's the pure in heart who are going to see God, not the big of brain. The Greek has two kinds of words for knowledge, oida and gnosko. One is head knowledge and one is a knowledge that comes through the revelation. You can look at a game of hockey and say, gee, that's a tough game. Or you can get the stick and play the game and know it differently than sitting back, can't you? There's a difference from knowing God in your head and bringing a God into your own mind and then putting your faith in the picture of God you have or walking in humility with the God of the universe and letting him show up. It's a different knowledge that you will begin to walk in as God begins to show up and reveal himself as you say, God, I'm stepping back. You're God, and I'm sorry for limiting you, God. I'm sorry, forgive me. For I've, I've defined you in my head, and then I put my faith in that picture. It's not faith. Faith is choosing to respond to the world around you as though God was real and is who he says he is not in the limited view you have of yourself and him. It's always that challenge with Moses. I can't do this, God. What do you mean you can't? I'm telling you, you can because I'm going with you. Stop limiting me. So we stand humbly before him. And in order to know God then, it's just more than us cramming into our minds more knowledge about him. There's a humility in order to place ourselves in context to who God actually is. And I have to remember that all the time. God, you actually transcend time and space. You spoke that into existence and it's by your word that it's sustained. You're bigger than what I make you to be. And this is where I'm going to land the plane right now to set us up on this series because we're going to move into a series of where we're going to begin to see how God does reveal that, how he does reveal I am this and how we can begin to trust a God who is unchangeable, loosed from limitations, you can trust a God who knows everything. The God who did this knows you. He knows the hairs on your head or lack of. 
your joys and your pain, your thoughts, your fears. And even further than that, even further than God knowing you, he actually loves you and wants to be known by you. The God of the universe loves you and actually wants to be known. That's pretty cool. Carl Barth says, God chooses to come to man, not man to God. Deuteronomy 4 and 29 says, if there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. You will seek him with all your heart and all your soul. Matthew 8, 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God. J.I. Packer says, a little knowledge of God is worth more than a great deal of knowledge about him. Isaiah 57 tells us that God is close to us yet beyond us. God says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Wow. (laughs) So church, listen to this. You can trust a God who is so much bigger than what you limit him to be. Stop putting a trust in the picture of God you have to feel safe. Stop it. It's not faith. Faith is not an emotional currency. It's walking in a trust and a confidence that God is who he says he is and he is absolute. And he is beyond all limitations. And the second you go to limit him and define him, you're not walking in faith. But faith requires us to step back and be humble. It requires a humility. And humility is hard because you like to be in control. And humility is an ability to just say, God, I, I can't be in control. And I've had these revelations of you before God. And I know these are things that you've done in my life. But I want to keep walking in a humility, God, because I don't want to limit you. I don't want to limit you anymore. Church, that's the cry of our heart today. So let's not limit God anymore. And as we take this journey, it's a, it's, it's, it's a battle between what you're going to put your faith in, the picture you have of God, which is limited and contextual, or stepping out in faith to trust the God of the universe that has actually chosen to know you and loves you so much. And this is our next part of the series. We're going to learn to see what God, how God reveals himself and begin to trust that God and not the picture you have of God in your head. So I want you to close your eyes right now while I read a part of Scripture. And then we're going to pray. And we're going to take communion together to finish off our time. But I just want to read for you, with your eyes closed, fight the distraction, fight the tiredness, fight the hunger. Flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. Connect to your spirit today and just hear the words of the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 18 to 31. Just close your eyes and let's just take a minute to wonder about God. Hallelujah. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Haven't you heard? It's been, has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. His people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. 
No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, than He blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who's my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to heaven. Who created all of this? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hallelujah. Keep your eyes closed as we take a minute to pray. This is your chance to respond to the word of the Lord this morning. There's this God who created the universe, who knows you and loves you and desires to be in relationship with you. You get to know this God every single day. My question is a question to your heart this morning. Are you willing to know God? This morning, the question for you is this. Are you willing to know God? to know God better every day. Just put your hand up if you are willing to know God. through the person of Christ that we get to come and enter into a deep and meaningful relationship with the God of this universe. That God come down that we might know His will and His ways. And it's that as we walk in intimacy and knowledge of Jesus Christ that we get to know who God is. If you've never welcomed Jesus into your life today, I want you to understand that faith isn't a wishy-washy weird emotional thing that the world makes it out to be it's actually you recognizing that God is bigger than you and that he has come down to our level for us to know him and welcomes you into this incredible relationship with the God of the universe because he loves you and he knows you if you've never welcomed Jesus into your life we talk about welcoming him into your heart the reason we do that is because we recognize that our desires are wrong and we're swimming around like existential sharks trying to find meaning and purpose and filling and, and, and letting these desires control our habits. And then we realize they're wrong. And then Jesus comes into that place of desire and changes it all. 
and your desires become God's desires and you begin to know God. And if you're sick of living in that way, you're sick of swimming around like a meaningless shark looking for something to eat and devour, just trying to find meaning. If that's you today and you just want to find peace, I want you to know that the God who made those nebula is down at our level today wanting to enter into your life to change your desires that you might find the abundance of joy that He gives. If that's you today, I just want you to say, I'm willing to know that God. Just raise your hand this morning up to God as a as an offering of your life. Just offer yourself up to Him this morning. Lay it down at the altar. Recognize that forgiveness means the past can be over. And it's an invitation into a new hope and a new life. God calls us the dead to life. If that's you this morning, just, just receive Him. Christ your substitute, who on the cross defeated the power of sin and death so that it no longer has a grip over your life. You now walk in freedom. That's the invitation today is freedom. So before we come and do communion, I want to give that invitation because this might be the first time you get to take communion at the table of Jesus. Hallelujah. Who here amongst us is saying, this is the time for me to know God. Just raise your hand this morning.